We are in Matthew, the 15th chapter. We are now at verse 10. Uh, What we've just read, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's giving them a hard time uh, because he didn't like them and thought they were very destructive. He was rebuking them for changing the commandments to honor your parents as a way for them to get more money out of people. Saying, well, if you give us the money, it's the same as honoring your parents, which was not right. And then Jesus, at verse 10 says, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth. That is what defiles them. See, what sets it up is the Pharisees come and say, how come your disciples eat without washing their hands first? They just had a fit about that. And uh, he says, how come you break the tradition of the elders? And that's when Jesus said, well, why do you break the tradition of the scriptures by allowing this nonsense going on concerning respecting their parents? And then he follows up and says, it's not what goes into your mouth that messes you up. It's what comes out of your mouth that messes you up. Boy, it doesn't take long to be alive to know that's true. How many wish or things you wish you hadn't said? <laughs> a thing that oh, makes life a lot more difficult. James says the, uh, the tongue is just a world of evil. It will light things. It'll change the course. Of It'll change the course of your life if you don't watch what you say. And every husband said, amen. Yes, so watch, watch, watch what you say, okay? Because it'll get you in all kinds of trouble. So then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And Jesus basically doesn't care. He replies, says, well, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. He was very dismissive of them. Just ignore them is what he's saying. These so-called religious leaders were much more concerned about enriching themselves, keeping their power, keeping their egos going, than really honoring God. He says, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. This is that famous saying, the blind leading the blind. Jesus is the one who said this. That's when people don't know what they're doing, leading other people, and they both wind up in a mess. It's like watching Washington. (laughs) Don't don't tell what you love these. uh, It's like watching Dumb and Dumber, isn't it? How the Republicans and Democrats are going to fix this problem? You ain't watching. They're going to fix jack squat. People crazy. They're all crazy. Blind leading the blind. And uh, so Peter said, because Jesus just said, look, it's not what goes into your mouth that messages. It's what comes out of your mouth. Well, then Peter said, explain the parable to us. Well, first of all, it's not a parable. It's very simple. And, and of course, they're so used to Jesus speaking in parables, they didn't know what he's talking about. And I told you, they're getting to the point where they're starting to get very afraid to ask Jesus anything. And uh, because he's always smacking them down, and he's getting pretty frustrated with them uh, at, at this point. As you can see by Jesus' response, Peter asks this question, explain the parable to us, and Jesus answers this. Are you still so dull? (laughs) Or your little dance? (laughs) So, you know, nothing's more discouraging than asking a question and the teacher saying, what are you, dumb? You know what I'm saying? That's very, very discouraging. 
That's, and that's, that's just what Jesus did, and he keeps this up. And they get to the point where they don't want to ask him anything anymore because uh, it's, it's, he uh, gets really frustrated with them. So they kind of stay quiet. And they're not sure half the time what he's talking about. Um, that's why they miss so much of it. Because you'll see Jesus will start telling them that he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. They're going to kill him. And then he'll rise again on the third day. None of them took him literally. But they, they got to the point where they, it, was, it was kind of hard you know, this is all very new to them. It was like they got, these guys were, you know, very educated guys. Uh, they, for the most part, the Bible's very clear. They were ignorant and unlearned men. You know, just simple guys, fishermen. I don't know how advanced their education was at all, but uh, uh, they didn't catch a lot of the stuff. We, as I pointed out, the Pharisees knew what he was talking about. And, uh, and uh, you know, but they didn't get it. So anyway, explain the parable to us about stuff... Not going in, messing you up, but what comes out of you. And he said, why are you still so dull? He says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then right out of the body. Now, so Jesus was very, very hard on the Pharisees because they made such a big deal out of this. Now, in all, <laughs> in the defense of the Pharisees, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but, uh, you know, they were crazy. But it's not really a stretch to read the Old Testament Levitical law and not get a sense that what goes into you is what messes you up. I mean, Jesus is trying to say that's not what messes you up. But, you, you know, it doesn't say. There were rules about everything. They were so strict about what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. They, to this day, they call it kosher. You know, what's kosher and what isn't kosher. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, not funny. That's not funny. Hello. 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 What? Oh, the whole system died. Hello. Hello. There we go. You know, it's not funny, but it's funny, you know. So many crazy people walk around with guns all the time. Blam! It's like, am I okay? <laughs> Good Lord, there's crazy people out there. I don't know if you people at Stevens Point never could hear all that, but it was very creepy. All right. So, hit the dirt. Uh, anyway, it, it would have been very easy to get the idea that what you do eat or, or don't eat would mess you up in terms of righteousness before God. So it's not a huge, as much as Jesus was really hard on him about this, it's not a huge stretch to come up with that conclusion. There was a lot of crazy stuff the Pharisees and stuff did. But seriously, if you read the Old Testament, it was like everything. You, what you could touch, what you couldn't touch, what you could eat, how you could eat it, clean it, you know. So it would have been a pretty simple thing to assume that what goes into you is what messes you up. In fact, uh, even after all this time with Jesus, when Peter, we read in the book of Acts, uh, the Lord appeals, appears to Peter in a dream, trying to let him know that everybody doesn't have to be Jewish, that everybody can come to Christ and use the analogy of food. He says, you know, eat this. And, and in the dream, Peter says, no, no, I've never eaten. You know, because they still had the sense that you had to be very careful with what went in your mouth. So anyway, so cutting them a little slack on that. So he says, Jesus is trying to let him, look, whatever comes in just goes out. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. 
and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. And he goes through the list. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. That's not what defiles anybody. What goes into the mouth. So, so right away, that was a radical change to them. And, uh, and we will see in just a few short years, that's when uh, the Lord starts letting them know, look, uh, if you want to come to Christ, you can come to Christ and we don't have to obey all those laws anymore. Which was really, really tough for the Jews. Um, in fact, um, and I pointed this out many times in, in the past, a lot of people don't know this. See, a lot of people think that the Jews rejected Jesus because they didn't want to accept him as the Messiah. But that's really not true. In fact, if you read the sermons when these guys preached to the leaders and the Jews and the crowds and stuff like that, they talked about God sending Jesus and anointing him and raising him from the dead and being the Messiah. They don't respond to any of that. They're fine with that. And then he says, and now the gospel is being preached to everyone and even the Gentiles can come to God and they don't have to obey all these rules. That's when they freaked. That's when they would get mad. That's when they would stone them to death. That's when they would just go psycho and crazy. The problem with the Jews wasn't that they didn't, couldn't handle the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. They couldn't handle the fact that you were messing with all the rules. That were pretty oppressive rules. You think they would have been happy to realize, oh, good heavens, we don't have to follow all that stuff anymore. You know? I mean, I'm sure like most of us, we have a very complicated tax system in America. Wouldn't it be great if it was a very simple system? I don't think too many people go, oh, I'm really missing all that complicated stuff. You know, you think you'd be, woo, hallelujah. You know, it's very simple. Everybody can do it. You don't need accountants. It's so simple. That would be great. It'll never happen because people make a lot of money dealing with all this nonsense. But, uh, but they weren't happy. They were so into the rules and regulations that it was the absence of the rules and regulations that caused them to reject Jesus as the Messiah. Not the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. That they didn't seem to have a problem with. So anyway, this was very, very he's, he's hinting at it at this point. They still didn't get it. I will say this, by the way. This list that Jesus gives, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, lying, slander. Uh, he's talking about basic morality. This is really a list of basic Christian Morality And this list, very slightly, but it's pretty much repeated over and over again. Uh, he repeats it later in, in the Gospels, but also throughout the New Testament. These, these, this is the basic fundamental morality that we should all be living by. I say that because some people come along and they start saying, you know, well, we don't live by the law anymore, which is what I just said. The good news is we don't live by the law. Uh, but when we talk about the law, we're talking about all these rules and regulations and stuff. They come along saying it even applies to this. That there really are no rules. Jesus loves us so much. God's grace is so great. We can lie, steal, cheat, fornicate, you know, whatever. Not really God just covers it all. I think these people are crazy. That is not what the Bible talks about. When it talks about being set free from the laws, about all these regulations and how you can cook your food. And there were rules about everything. You know, you can't cook a goat in its own mother's milk. Really? This isn't the Bible? But this was a rule. They, they had all these crazy rules. And, but fundamental morality uh, is still true today, even though we don't obey the Old Testament rules anymore. Those are, that's the law that we've been set free from. It's basically, in the New Testament it says, um, it, it's really the law of love. Because if you love somebody, 
You don't kill them. You don't steal their wife. You don't lie about them. You know, if you just walk in love, you really fulfill the basic morality that God wants in all of us. If we'll just walk in love, okay? Um, you know, whether or not you have a ham sandwich has nothing to do with whether or not you love. Unless, of course, you love the pig. You wouldn't kill the pig, I suppose. But uh, So, these are basic... And, and Paul really gets strong with this list. He warned, he says, I've warned, writing to Christians, to the church, he said, I have warned you in the past and I'm warning you again that those who do these things will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Well, it seems pretty clear to me. Don't do these things. These things will put your soul in jeopardy. Now, there's all kinds of people debate this. All right, you know, it's your soul. My advice Avoid these things. There's no reason if you will walk in God's love that you need to do any of these sorts of things. All right? So anyway, so Jesus says all this to them. Wow, it's all still pretty shocking uh, to them. So then, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he's there. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him. Now, you have to understand, Jesus is Jewish. He's dealing with just the Jewish people. And intentionally so, because the gospel was supposed to be sent first to the Jews. This was due to the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was a big deal. In fact, in the New Testament, over and over again, uh, it is stressed that the gospel is first to the Jew and then to the non-Jew. Out of respect, again, for all these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, fulfilling these prophecies. Now, the Bible says Jesus was sent to his own, the Jewish people. He really was focused on that. He was, and in fact, remember he told his disciples, don't even go to non-Jews when he sent them out. Now again, after Jesus was resurrected, and then he spoke to the church and started saying, okay guys, now you need to go to everybody. They had a hard time with this. It was a big struggle for them. Again, and all the Jews who had a hard time with it, you know, it became really, it was the single most contentious issue in the New Testament. If you'll read the history of the Bible, when you hear them wrestling about this big fight that they're having among the Christian church, it all has to do with obeying these laws. These, because half of them couldn't let go. They, they were so addicted to this oppressive thing. Again, why they would do this, I have no idea. I would think, you get a bunch of laws off of me, I'm a happy dude. But for some reason, uh, they couldn't let it go. All right, so anyway, they were very, very certain. And Jesus stayed very focused when he was on this earth in order to fulfill prophecy. And all the promises, he kept his ministry strictly to Jewish people. So here comes this Canaanite woman. It doesn't mean anything to us because 2,000 years ago, we don't even know what Canaanite is. But it's basically, she's a Gentile. She's like one of us. She's a non-Jew. And she comes uh, to Jesus crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And the Bible basically says Jesus completely ignores her. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. But she kept it up. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. Uh, It says here that his disciples came to him and said, please, send her away. Okay, she keeps crying after us. She's getting irritating. She won't stop. Help me, help me. And he is completely ignoring her. He will not respond to her. It's kind of stunning, you know, because we think of Jesus as being extremely warm and fuzzy. And he was incredibly warm and fuzzy. As I told you when we first started this, what you'll get shocked about, 
when you read the actual Bible, is how unwarm and fuzzy he was in many, many situations. This idea of Jesus as this wimpy, wussy, you know, guy, looks like a lady with a beard, you know, in the pictures, you know, holding a lamb, you know, hanging around little children all the time. This was not, Jesus was very strong, very strong, to the point that he was at times shockingly strong. He was God in the flesh, loving, compassionate, willing to die for the sins of the world, yes, but no wuss. And he was very, very strong about how we should live and how we should not live. Pretty much a shock in today's culture. Christian culture, sadly, has no idea. Everybody thinks as long as you believe, it doesn't matter what you do. Hello. So anyway, she's crying out, help, 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 help. Didn't answer a word. And they said, please get rid of her. And then he says to the lady, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And as simply as I can, I just explain to you why that was. Seems pretty strict, but that's that's what he said. And the woman came and knelt before him. She wouldn't let up. Lord, help me, she said. And Jesus says, look, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Translation, he calls her a dog. Seriously. Jesus calls her a dog. It's not right. I was sent to Israel. It's not right to take and toss it to the dogs. Oh my goodness. Now, how many of you would have been insulted by this point? All right. A lot, you know, and and the point of this account here is uh, just encourage people, don't get discouraged when things don't go the way you want them to go. Why God isn't answering my prayer fast enough? Why isn't this happening? Why is this happening? Ah, and people give up. A lot of people get, yeah, a lot of you would be discouraged because you asked three times and Jesus ignored you. <laughs> That'd be the end of it. Just give up. That's really a lot of problem. People, they come up, they start great initially, but as soon as they have resistance, they just collapse and they give up. They lose hope. Here's this lady. She's coming. He's ignoring her. She keeps coming. She's coming. She's coming. She's like a chihuahua. Those little yippy dogs that just never quit. My sister's visiting us. She's got a little yippy dog. I think freaks the willies out of me. I'm not used to having the dumb dog, you know. I'm walking to the house and all of a sudden, oh my goodness gracious. Shut up, you stupid dog. It's my house. Anyway. <laughs> It's so one thing you got to have handled to yippee dogs. They get your attention, don't they? You know, sometimes they're scarier than the big dogs. You know, the yippee dog doesn't know it's little. It thinks it's big. So it's coming, shut up. Anyway. I was freaking me out this morning, actually. Not a sound in the house. I forget the dog's there. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, okay. So. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And then she says this to him. Yes, it is, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This lady would not relent. She would not give up. She would not let go. She's hanging on for everything. She needed a miracle. And she hung in there. And Jesus looks at this lady, even after ignoring her, even after saying, look, it's not right to help you. Even after saying, look, you're kind of a dog. 
She says, but even dogs eat the crumbs. She wouldn't give up. And Jesus says to her, woman, you have great faith. And your request is granted. Hallelujah. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Moral of the lesson, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Now the good news is, Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies, all the promises, went into heaven, did everything, and now the gospel is open to everyone. Jesus won't call you a dog. <laughs> you are not a dog to him. But even if you feel like you, because sometimes you feel, don't you feel terrible sometimes? So, I mean, one, one of the big hindrances, right, the prayer is, I don't deserve this. Right? Well, I don't deserve this. I, I don't know why God would help me. He doesn't. You know, you got to lose that kind of thinking. It's not about what you deserve. God blesses us. Because what? We don't get what we deserve. We all deserve to go to hell. That's what we deserve. All right? It's not about what you deserve. Stop worrying about what I, you know, I know God's busy and I know Jesus. Just stop. He loves you. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery to me because I struggle to love some of you. But anyway, he loves you all. <laughs> he loves everybody. He cares about you. Don't get discouraged when the answers don't come as quickly as you think they should come. And hang in there. All right? Okay, then, then we go on. It says, uh, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. And then he went up into a mountainside and sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame and the blind, the crippled, the mute, many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Man, I would have loved to have been there to see all this. The people were amazed. I bet they were when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Wow. He says, I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Why? Because apparently they haven't eaten in three days. Um, his disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now, these, these are the same guys who just saw Jesus feed about 5,000 men and all the women and children, thousands and thousands of people. And uh, he said, well, how are we going to pull this off? You'd think they would already get it. Again, these guys were a little slow on the, on the uptake. You know, after Jesus that, I'd say, I got a sandwich, Lord, let's feed them all. You know, I think, I, you know, let's do it again, right? But they, right away, just like it hadn't happened before. And uh, uh, Jesus, well, how many loaves do you have? He said, well, seven and a few small fish. Well, then he basically repeats the exact same miracle. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and fish. When he'd given thanks, he broke them, gave them to his disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides the women and children. So we've got thousands upon thousands of people. And after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went into the vicinity of Magadan. Now, Matthew doesn't record it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and, and uh, Luke were pretty consistent in, in highlighting the same basic things. And as I pointed out a, a week or so ago, and even on Christmas Eve, you know, it's stunning how little detail the Bible gives us much about anything. 
They really stayed focused. These aren't stories. Stories give much more detail, much more drama, much more insight. You know, we all know what stories are, right? The Bible, anybody tells you the Bible is a collection of stories, don't understand, they know what they're talking about. These, are stories, these guys are terrible storytellers. They weren't telling stories. They just, this happened, this happened, da 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 da. And three of the Gospels are pretty uh, similar. John's is a little bit different. He highlights stuff that the other guys didn't for whatever reason. One of the things that we see in John's gospel, uh, it's kind of a dramatic moment, and why these other guys skipped over it, I don't know. But at this point, um, Jesus becomes now extremely popular. But something has shifted. Something has changed. They were following him now not because of the miracles, not because of the word of God and the teachings that he was giving them. They were following him primarily because of the free food. That was it. And and they were like obsessed. And then Jesus, this is when Jesus confronts them and says, Look, you're looking for more bread. He says, I am the bread of life. Remember we that, that verse you don't hear it here, you'll hear it in John. We might do John when we're done with this to, to kind of get a complete picture. But uh, he says, I am the bread of life. And this is when he says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you. Well, they were freaked out that he was talking so strong. And, and that's when many people started turning away from Jesus at this point. After this, and he has this confrontation with the crowds, uh, his crowds go down quite a bit. He continues to minister, uh, but when... They were confronted with, you know, just what they could get to eat. That was like a major shifting point. Again, why Matthew doesn't record that, or the other three guys, uh, I don't know. But uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, but again, Jesus was very, very strong. And, and which, which puts us, and we'll close with this. When you are seeking after God for whatever miracle you need or blessings in your life, you have to remember, the focus needs to be on the giver, not the gift. Okay, don't get so obsessed by the thing that you want that you want the thing more than you really want God. In fact, for those of you who are struggling uh, and you're trying to get an answer to prayer, despite what I just said about being consistent and hanging in there no matter what, if that's what you've done, you can pray till your eyeballs pop out and you're never going to get what you want. When you become so obsessed by you wanting that one thing. I have to have this thing. God, you got to give me this thing. God, you got to give me this God, won't you give me this? And one of the reasons why God doesn't answer that prayer, and he won't, is when that becomes more important to you than anything else. That becomes so more important to you that it's more important than even your relationship with God. Uh, that's a dangerous place to be. He is a jealous God. Number one command, you shall have no other gods before me. That's rule number one. He is not interested in becoming a Santa Claus. He's not interested in, gee, why can I just give you to put a grin on your face just so you can get so obsessed by the stuff. Oh, I got this, and I got this, and I need this. <laughs> and if you're to the point where you cannot be happy unless you get the one thing, that's a real dangerous sign right there. That's when you know you're really pushing up against the line. Well, Pastor, I can't be happy because I don't have this. Or this one thing isn't going to happen. And if I can't get this, I can't be happy. You should be able to be happy no matter what because our happiness comes from him. So well, I, I can't, Lord, it's, it's, pastor's just too hard, it's just I can't do it. Sure you can. And remember I warned you, don't ever, ever, ever say, I can't handle it. I can't do it. It's too much for me. Don't ever talk in those terms. Remember, there have been people who have laid down their very lives for the cause of Christ. 
thrown to the lions. I mean, brutal. These some of these guys went up brutally, watched their children being sliced to pieces, and went out with incredible joy and peace on their face, even the worst of circumstances. And you're mad because, you know, your 401k is down? Really? This is your problem in life? You know, you wanted a new car and you can't get it? This is your struggle in life? You know, your boyfriend dumped you? Oh, I can't go on and live? Seriously? He needed to dump you. I mean, I mean, stop. You don't need these things and these people. The minute this becomes so important to you that you can't be happy without it, that's when your prayers just are like lead balloons. They just keep falling. And you can yell and scream all day long and hang in like this lady, but you're not going to get anywhere if that thing, if the gift becomes more important to you than the giver. And this is where these guys, they had lost their focus. Now, free food. Everybody loves free food. I dare say our church would be bigger if we offered free food. You know, that's what everybody wants, you know, free. Everybody likes food, right? So uh, don't get so caught up because that's what these guys made the mistake. Always remember, in your pursuit of whatever it is you're asking God to do in your life, and, it's, and, and being as persistent and strong as this little Canaanite woman who eventually got her miracle. Always remember, the most important thing is God in the equation. He is the main focus. And never think, don't allow yourself to think, that if you don't get the one thing, you won't be happy. And I know a lot of people think this way. You know, there's times where we've struggled in our lives with a variety of things. People go, oh, Pastor, you, you must be so sad that X is happening. No. Pastor, you must be so sad that your wife has cancer. No, I mean, initially, yeah, that initial shock, but you get past that. I give myself a few hours, a few days of freak, but I get in a place of faith. No, I'm, I'm not. Oh, Pastor, you must be so sad that your house hasn't sold after 10 years. It's irritating, but no. <laughs> I'm not sad. And then, again... You hear it on the other side when all of a sudden they go, you finally sell your house. People go, oh, Pastor, Pastor, you must be so happy that your house sold. I go, no. I must be so happy that your wife's okay now. Yeah, but no. You know, I, I hear people talk to me this way and, and, and I get a picture that they don't get it. No wonder their lives struggle so much. For them, all of life is based on how good their circumstances are or how bad their circumstances are. And their joy goes up and down like that. When you start to understand that your joy comes from Him and you stay like this and the circumstances are going, and you stay consistent, that's when you get to a stronger place of faith and you'll see that God will start turning more and more circumstances around in your life for the better and start answering your prayers. But again, never get so caught up on the gift that your focus goes off of the giver. It has to to stay here. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for the teachings of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to realize from today's lessons, number one, let us be careful with what we say. Help us to realize it's the stuff that comes out of our mouths that messes us up, not what goes in it. And uh, and to guard our hearts, to be careful, Lord, to follow you, having a heart that's filled with love, love of God, love of people, so that we can fulfill the righteous requirements that you have of us as we walk in love. Lord, help us to be very persistent in our faith, not to get discouraged when the answers don't come as quickly as we want 
Or sometimes it seems like the answer is no. To hang in there and to, and to just be people, strong, confident people of faith. But Lord, finally, help us never get so obsessed by what we think we need or want that it allows us to change our focus off of you. Help us always, God, as much as we are so grateful and thankful for the gifts that you give us. Our focus, O Lord, help it never to be about the gifts, but to always to be about the giver, you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.